0: Welcome to the Market Emotion Motion Podcast for Financial Advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to
1: transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market Emotion Motion Podcast for Financial Advisors. Hi, everybody. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite. Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors presented by FMG Suite. More than 40,000 advisors rely on FMG Suite to help them stay connected, build relationships, and grow their business. Now it's your turn. Visit us at fmgsuite.com and schedule a demo so you can see our tools in action. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Robert Canope, who's the CEO of Assist You Today. Robert is a big, big fan of LinkedIn, as you'll hear throughout the podcast. The conversation was pretty quick. So make certain you have a browser open to take a few notes. At the end of the podcast, I asked Robert for three action items to do today just for social media. And the one answer really, really hit home. Your LinkedIn profile is not a resume. It's a brand statement. Don't list your accomplishments. Summarize your brand and what makes you the type of advisor people want to work with. Powerful, powerful stuff. Market in Motion podcast. Spread the word. Hi, Robert. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Robert, let's stretch the stage for everybody. You're the founder and CEO of Assist You Today. Give everybody a two-minute pitch on your background and how Assist You Today helps professionals with their marketing efforts.
0: Well, thanks, Mike, and thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, At Assist You Today, we help companies avoid becoming the next seers by modernizing what they do from a sales and marketing perspective. So think less cold calling, less blast email, more digital, more mobile, more social, less gut-driven decision making, more data-driven decision making, digital transformations—all that fun stuff. Uh, we focus on strategy, training, and content for sales, marketing, and social media.
1: Gotcha, that's good stuff, boy. I tell you, uh, it may be only a, it, we may be talking about Sears robot kind of um, in a couple of years. Kids may be starting to ask, "What, what, what was that? What was that?" Yeah. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they might uh, they, they might be going the way of uh, J.C. Penney and a couple of others. Uh, that, um, uh, it'll only be folklore that remembers them.
0: Um, yeah, I remember growing up in that Sears catalog was like, for Christmas was the, the joy of my existence, looking through all the toys <laughs> that I was never <laughs> going to get. But I, I circled a lot of things and bookmarked pages, and my parents said, that's great, you're not getting any of that. Yeah,
1: you're getting any of that. Stuff. <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, I I want to start this one off by talking a little bit about uh, how the world has changed recently or recently the past six, eight months. Um, I always uh, recall that it was on March 11th. uh, That that was the day COVID really struck me because I came home and I was uh, watching the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City Thunder game uh, right before tip off. And uh, they canceled the game. Uh, it was very odd. It was almost like a surreal experience. They flashed over to a uh, Dallas Maverick game where Mark Cuban just got the note on his cell phone that they were canceling the game, can't and and indicated they canceled the season. And that it kind of became serious at that point. Companies started to pick up their um, kind <clears> of <throat> started to pick up their um, COVID decision making. And fast forward seven months, and here we are today. So. Robert, first question is really from a high level, what are some of the biggest sales and marketing trends to emerge over the last six, seven months? Yeah, well, the first
0: one for me is digital
1: transformation. It's not
0: a a nice-to-have anymore. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's absolutely essential to success in the current world. Many companies that had five-year roadmaps have had to shift them to five-month roadmaps or even five-week roadmaps. Uh, Things like uh, remote work, uh, was a huge issue for, for many companies, especially the larger ones that just didn't have the bandwidth for everyone to be working remotely on their systems and servers. Uh, and actually, their, their systems in many ways were, were built uh, to block that kind of activity right. working right. remotely. So uh, to you know, change all of their guidelines overnight and then accelerate digital transformations, um, uh, that, that's the first thing I've noticed. And I, I think everyone has the, uh, the second one. I would say uh, social selling, you know, really the, the same thing here. It's, it's absolutely essential. It's not a nice to have anymore. No one is at work, so you can't call them on their work phones anymore. So you can't do cold calling effectively. And I would argue it never was super effective even beforehand. And everyone's doubled their email uh, or tripled their email. So it's really hard to cut through email noise. Uh, many companies still aren't taking advantage of social selling, however, and many that are simply cut and paste their blast email into a LinkedIn invite. Well, that approach doesn't work in email, so why the heck is it gonna work in (laughs) in LinkedIn? (laughs) Uh, Social is really a different animal uh, about building win-win relationships instead of going after immediate closes. And so people need to kind of shift their mindsets and forget that spray and pray approach. Uh, So that'd be my second thing would uh, be social selling. Third thing, virtual conferences. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was on a call last month with 14 heads of marketing and sales at uh, financial services companies and they all wanted to know how do they replace their their giant events whether they're internal uh, with all their sales force for example or external when they bring in you know thousands of people sponsor huge events and get all these leads uh, from these things uh, so they're asking you know, how do you how do you do that what what can we do virtually to you know supplant that uh, i've seen many companies go to the virtual conferences but you I don't know about you, Mike, but for me, the the thing that I would always get out of conferences, it wasn't really the speakers. And the speakers are nice. They're smart people. They know what they're doing. But it's that networking, those uh, cups of coffee, those dinners, those lunches, those drinks afterwards. That's where you build camaraderie with people. And for me, right. that's where I would get my business from um, You know, when I would go speak at events, for example. And so how do you supplant that? You You got to get people talking more in smaller groups, you know, for example, as opposed to the large events. So things like mastermind sessions, like the one I attended, you know, last month where it was uh, a company brought me in to talk to these 14 heads and they're basically just picking my brain for an hour and I was answering all their questions, things like that. That's much more valuable than the 2000 person conference. So uh, that's what I recommend from a virtual conferencing perspective. Um, gotcha virtual lunches, virtual happy hours. You got to have that one-to-one FaceTime.
1: Right, right. Yeah, it's good stuff. You know, I I think, you know, when when you talk about the digital transfer that you've seen that happen quickly, um, a constant, a a recurring theme uh, on this podcast and with financial advisors in general is is COVID really gave them the, um, kind of the get out of jail free card that they could, make this digital transformation they could they could take their forms and put them online they could take their uh, account information put them online and they they really had amnesty to do it. It, 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 it if they were behind in technology this gave them the perfect cover to to kind of up their game
0: yeah absolutely
1: yeah so it's uh it's 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 what we're seeing and really in the um you know the social selling that you touched on um it For the first few months out of COVID, it was using the Zoom calls and what have you to, to keep in touch with clients, but now it's become, I not only have to keep in touch with clients, I've got to start to prospect using yeah. a, a, a different uh, methodology. Have, have you seen many trends emerge with that, how people are prospecting using uh, the, the more of the Zoom prospecting approach?
0: Well, for me, uh, it's all about social media. I mean, my company gets 100% of its leads from LinkedIn and events. And it's been that way since we launched four and a half years ago. Gotcha. Uh, we've never made a single cold call or sent a single blast email. We don't need to. I mean, personally, I get 83% uh, as an acceptance rate on my invitations to connect. So if you compare that to the 3% or lower average response rate for cold calling and blast emailing in financial services, you know which one's a better use of your time? <laughs> sure, sure. So, and, and if I'm an FA and my target audience is say SVPs at uh, tech companies in the Bay Area, for example, I can run a search on LinkedIn in five seconds for that, and it's going to be so much more up to date than any list I could buy, and I, I, it'll tell me who knows those people who, that that I already know, and so I can you know get a warm introduction for example, or it'll tell me where they went to school. Maybe we both went to uh, University of Michigan, or maybe we both used to work at Bank of America. I mean, there's so many opportunities um, from a prospecting perspective that uh, it provides. So for me, you know, LinkedIn is just a a great tool uh, to to help out from a prospecting perspective. Gotcha. But the the thing is you got to do it right. You know, as I, as I touched on earlier uh, you got to do some research about people and you know, forget that spray and pray approach, you know, look at their profile, find commonalities, uh, as I mentioned, but the, the, the best one is really that warm introduction. You know, If you can find someone that can introduce you, if I know uh, you, Mike, but I don't know Jane, and say, hey, Mike, would you mind introducing me to Jane? Just like in the offline world, the same thing works in the online world. You know, Make that uh, extra step to get that warm intro and you're gonna get your foot in the door a heck of a lot faster.
1: Gotcha. You know, it, it's um, uh, LinkedIn is such a vast and such a deep tool, and when you do start to get on there and you learn some of the the tricks to how to well, not necessarily tricks. I would just say they're. Uh, learn the tool and how to manipulate it. But I think for many advisors, that's, that's a little bit of a block because, you know, they've, they've got their, they've got their Facebook, their Facebook business page that they're promoting. They're, they're looking to use Twitter and then they're looking to use LinkedIn. You're, you're focused, you're, you're pushing people more on the LinkedIn front. How do people, how do pe- how would somebody go about brushing up their skills on LinkedIn? What is a, what's a good approach?
0: Well, yeah, when you think about, uh, LinkedIn, um, do those strategies and tactics that you've uh, been doing for for years offline that have made you so successful as far as building relationships, adding value, developing a rapport, and just bring those online. So it's not reinventing the wheel. It's just sure. moving the racetrack. Uh, so uh-huh. um, I, I, what I see, and I'm sure you do as well as, you know, half of the uh, invitations to connect that I get are just sales pitches. It's like, Hey, we do this. Are you interested? It's like, well, that's the first time I'm meeting this person. You would never do that if you met someone offline. If you were at a conference or a networking event, you would never welcome and say, hey, Mike, I do this. Are you interested? <laughs> you people would walk away. <laughs> but that's yeah. a large majority of people on uh, LinkedIn. That's their, their first foray when they, they try to meet someone. Or they'll send you a generic invite. You're like, Wow. Should I accept? Should I not accept? What's the value? There's, there's no reason right. for me to accept this. I don't know who the heck you are. And then I accept and then I immediately get a sales pitch after that, especially right. for financial advisors. I would say 90% of the FAs that reach out to me on LinkedIn do this. They'll send me a generic invite. Uh, I begrudgingly accept because I know the sales pitch is coming, but I work with tons of financial advisors. So who knows? It could be a potential client. Um, and then immediately I get the sales pitch. That they want to talk to me about my finances and my investments and all this stuff. Um, so I, I preempt it now. <laughs> so I accept and I say, "Hey, I accepted your invite, Mike. Just so you know, I already have an FA. I'm very happy with them. But if you ever want to talk about you know X or Y or Z, you know, let me know. And I rarely, if I ever, get a response.
1: <laughs> it's just dead That's air." Funny. Cricket. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, I have noticed, uh, and I'm sure people listening to the podcast have noticed a pickup with that uh, within the last two, three months where I will get the, just what you said, kind of a, a solicitation for business. I'll get it from people who are looking to, you know, take care of my accounting or for people who are looking to do very, you know, the staffing and uh, various aspects of business. But um, you're right. I would, uh, you would never do that in an in person meeting. Um, we, we've had, uh, you know, we've had, um, uh, some guests on the podcast talk about uh, um, pr- you have to provide something or provide something of value uh, before you would really g- go down that line. Is is that a tactic, or is it more uh, more to kind of establish that rapport through a different connection?
0: One hundred percent. I think that's uh, that's how you establish that rapport is adding value. Mm-hmm. Uh, the more value you add, uh, say with timely, relevant, and helpful content the more that person's going to want to hear from you and, and might proactively reach out to you. I've had people, just based on the content that I've posted on LinkedIn, reach out and say they want to work with me. I didn't know this person before, and I'll say, okay, I'll put a proposal together for you. And a few times people have said, you don't need to. I've read all your content. You obviously know your stuff. Just tell me how much it costs to do what you do.
1: Boy, boy, that's that, that really is the home run answer right there. Uh, and, th- and that comes from... Um, you, you put something on LinkedIn. Are you drive? Are you looking then to drive people back to your website where they uh, where they consume more information? Or uh, kind of give you a play by play on how that how that would evolve?
0: Yeah, Mike. I'm really glad you mentioned that. I think so many companies focus all their efforts on bringing people back to their website, uh, but no one wants to go to their website. They're they're on LinkedIn, so heck, keep them on LinkedIn. Uh, mm-hmm. Think of your uh, LinkedIn profile or your Facebook profile, whatever that may be, Twitter, Instagram, that's, that's your website. That's it, People are already there. So set up an outpost on those channels, whichever ones you use. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I recommend LinkedIn. It's the most professional and most used for business. When you start reaching out to people on Instagram and Facebook, it feels kind of weird uh, to some folks. Um, but yeah, reach out to those individuals. Um, and add value, add as much value as possible. And uh, you know they'll they'll look to uh, they'll you know they'll look to you uh, as you really a, a buddy. I'm trying to think of the best way sure. to say it. Yeah. that's what you want to be. You don't want to be a sales rep. You don't want to be a financial advisor. You want to be a trusted business partner. You want to be their buddy. You want to be consistently adding value. So they think of you as as their buddy because when you have a problem or you need someone to help out, you're going to call your buddy first and foremost. So right, right. Um, to get back to your original question. Uh, you know, tactically, uh, I, I try to think of my LinkedIn profile as, as an outpost. Um, and I write that from the perspective of a potential client. What would they, and I recommend this for financial advisors as well. You know, what would a client want to see on that profile? That's going to differentiate you from 100,000 other financial advisors out there. Uh, what would your target audience want to see that's going to make them say, hey, Mike is smart. He's talented. He's not like all the rest of these guys. I want to reach out to him. Write, write that. that that's what you want to do. So keep people on the, the channel that they started with.
1: Interesting. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a shift to me because I think uh, for years people were taught that uh, it was uh, these the, – the social media should be uh, – uh, be, you, should, you should try to pull people back to your website where they can digest more information or consume more information, but uh, it, it certainly makes a lot of sense as the, uh, the, as the, uh, as the, as the sands have shifted here uh in the past six eight months where you would want to keep people a little more on that linkedin don't don't force them to go somewhere else
0: yeah i mean most of the time people are browsing these things via an app on their phone so if i'm on a linkedin app on my phone and everything's driving back to someone's random website i don't want to go to your website i'm on linkedin i want to stay on linkedin so make a company page there you can put tons of information there if you want to put it there um but if someone's really interested in you and what you do they're going to go to your website, so right, right. You, you don't have to force that. To, you don't have to create that gate uh, to get people to
1: to do that. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, from a you know, a, a, I'm a Series Twenty Four, so I always kind of put it through a compliance lens. Sure, uh, sure. Doesn't doesn't sound like there would be any drawback to that. I'm still going to go through the same process with uh, my compliance department. I'm going to submit my LinkedIn profile to have it approved and have them uh, review it before I start to post anything. Is that what you work with uh, professionals to do?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and I've run programs at uh, big companies before internally, uh, fortune 500s. I've got a, a six and a 26 myself. Well, I used ah. to uh, now that I own my own shop, I don't use them anymore because I'm not with a broker dealer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you can do all this stuff compliantly, you know, nothing that I've said thus far, um, is outside the bounds of any FINRA and SEC guidelines.
1: Gotcha. That's good cool. stuff to know. Yeah. Yeah, you know with- uh, you go know, ahead. Robert, once once you do the series six, once you do the once you go through that process, you're you're always in the club. You don't have to keep the light. <laughs> 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 I always I always told people the loneliest four hours of my life was study was taking that series twenty four exam. Holy cow. Man uh,
0: <laughs> Well what's funny is that I I studied too much I remember for the six. Uh, I just ah. Everyone kept telling me, you're going to fail it. You're going to fail it. Everybody fails it the first time. I got freaked out. So I overstudied for the thing, and I aced it. And so for the, the 26, I think I spent like a week studying for that. I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time on this.
1: Oh, yeah, those are <laughs> – oh, boy, everybody everybody listening has been through that. So, um, all right, I want to I wanna, um, switch back just a little bit and talk sure. about uh, more of um, – kind of some of the mistakes you see that small business owners make when they, when they come into the world of social media. Um, you know, one, uh, one thing I've read is that people try to become a master of all social medias at one time versus just picking one channel and trying to become really proficient at that and then branch off to the others. W- what do you see as some of the biggest mistakes small business owners make as they navigate the world of social media?
0: Well, I think you, you nailed one of the biggest ones is trying to be on every single channel. Uh, you just have to know your target audience and know where they spend their time. Uh, you know, if I'm selling tacos to millennials, I'm going to be on Snapchat and Instagram. That's why Taco Bell spends all their time on those channels. Right. Uh, they don't really do much on LinkedIn because it's not, it's not their target audience. And that's not the kind of conversations that people have on LinkedIn. Um, so you definitely have to pick the channels that your target audience Uh, hangs out on and not try to be all things to all people. So that's definitely one. Uh, Thinking that just having a presence is all you need and leads will suddenly rain from the sky. I see people fall into that trap a lot. It's like, well, I created a LinkedIn profile or I created a Facebook page and didn't do anything. It's like, well, okay, did you distribute content? Not really. Did you uh, engage with anybody else? No, not really. Uh, Okay, then Why would you think that would be any value to you or your organization? So uh, you definitely have to, you got to engage. It's social media, not anti-social media. So um, it's all about reciprocity. The more you engage with other people, the more they're going to engage with you. And I know engagement scares the heck out of every compliance person listening uh, to this call, but you can engage with other people um in a compliant way Uh, you can like and comment and share other people's content you just can't do say market-related posts if you're an fa because you're going to trigger disclosure and that means you've adopted it and you have to go to your company and see if they're okay with it so you can't do market-related content but you can still engage with others about um you know if they opened up a new business for example you can congratulate them you're not endorsing that business by saying hey congrats that's sure. that, it just doesn't work that way. I've I've spoken with Finra about this in the past. Um, so the lack of engagement, I think, is a a big red flag that I see. You got to engage with others. Uh, a lot of people ignore private messages as well, or their compliance teams won't let them use private messaging. You know, as long as you've got a service that's connected uh, to your digital archives, so you're capturing and archiving all that activity, you can use private messaging just like you use private messaging from your, your corporate feed, uh, or your corporate email. It's the same thing. As long as it's captured and archived, FINRA doesn't care. The SEC doesn't care. Um, so you make sure that you're doing that, but if you're doing that, private messaging is the secret sauce of LinkedIn. For example, you're not going to close a lot of deals in the public forum by distributing content about your company. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, create content that solves pain points and if you know your target audience, well, you know, those pain points already, you know, the, the problems that small business owners have, you know, the problems that tech companies have, you know, the financial issues that a lot of people have with financial literacy, that's your content. You post that content. And then you follow up when they, when someone engages with it, you follow up with a private message saying, Hey, thanks so much for your like, uh, on my post about X and Y, uh, you know, say it's an invitation to connect. If you're not connected with them already, then you follow up say, Hey, thanks. Um, uh, for the like of my post talking about X, uh, I'd love to connect and share some ideas back and forth. Now, you're not pitching, right? I mean, that's, that's what a lot of folks do is they pitch too early. You know, mm-hmm. Half of the personalized invites I get on LinkedIn are sales pitches, just straight sales pitches cut and pasted from a blast email. It's a terrible approach, right? Like we talked about before, you would never do that (laughs) offline. So don't do it online. Uh, Again, mention those commonalities, either specific people or things on their profile. If you don't have a a connection in common, for example, maybe you went to the same college, you live in the same area, used to uh, both volunteer at Olive Crest, you know, whatever that may be, mention those things instead. But pitching too early is um, another big one.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, and I think you, what you touched on there from a regulatory perspective is important. I think that uh, uh, anybody who's listening, uh, the, they, they would want to talk to their compliance department about how they're using the tool and what they're trying to do and if uh, uh, and talk to them about doing private messages in LinkedIn and making certain that the, the compliance department is comfortable with that. And if they're not, then uh, kind of... Make sure, make sure it's make sure it, it works for everyone. Um, it, because Robert, really, as you touched on there, from a from a regulatory perspective, it's all about the process, the archives, all all that, all that. Uh, really, the um, uh, what, what I would call it, it's it's basic baseball stuff and. Uh, um, uh, every compliance officer that I work with always is very open to have those kind of discussions because really the the financial advisors keep compliance on the cutting edge. They kind of keep pushing them to adopt these new tools.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the best advice I would give you is you know, get compliance involved early and often with, with what you want to do on social. Compliance doesn't like surprises. If you're out oh. there doing something you, you shouldn't be doing, um If you're using social media for business purposes, you haven't got to improve by compliance. You got to go talk to them today. Don't wait because you are going to get your hand slapped. You might get fired. You might get fined. The company might get fined. Um, Compliance, most compliance folks I've worked with are very level-headed people. They have a lot more knowledge about this than I think uh, people give them credit for. And they want to see the business succeed as much as you do. So, you know, keep them in the loop, let them know what's going on, get them involved early so they can help shape the program. Uh, if you're, say, a, a head of sales or marketing, uh, because, you know, typically they have really good ideas and they'll be able to help you uh, create a program that's compliant. So you don't introduce risk to the organization, number one. And if they're involved from the beginning, they're going to be emotionally invested in wanting to see it succeed. Right. right. Uh, so good point. It, yeah, as, as opposed to wanting to stop the bad things that are going on. It's a different mindset when you get them involved really early. So get them involved early and often. They'll, they'll be your best friends.
1: Gotcha. Good. I, I think that's uh, sound advice. All right. Here's my uh, here's my next one for you. Um, social media for me uh, is, is for pleasure is one thing. You know, I have about 200 Facebook friends, and uh, we post pictures of family events, stuff like that. Uh, over the weekend, I had a great discussion with a, with about a half a dozen dozen friends of mine about who made the biggest error in the when the uh, when the Dodgers Dodgers lost that game uh, to the Rays. <laughs> Uh, and we had a great time going back and forth about whether it was an error by the, the center fielder, the catcher. I thought it was the error by the second baseman who was the cutoff player. Uh, fun stuff. It, it, but it's, that it's social media f- uh, for that for me was fun. How do you get small business professionals to switch gears to, 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 to realize when it's okay, it's no longer kind of for pleasure. It's now for business. How, how do they make that uh, transition in their minds?
0: Oh, you're, you're making me cry early on a, a Monday morning. <laughs> up that, uh, that defeat after last night's W, they should have uh, should be out of the World Series. They should have won them. Sh-
1: they should <laughs> be, but uh, uh, all the better for the all the better for the fans. Get Game Six.
0: There you go. There you go. But uh, even as far as switching gears are, are concerned, and thinking about uh, LinkedIn as something other than a, a tool for getting a new job, I think is a challenge. And thinking about Twitter as something besides just uh, news and information is a challenge, and so getting people on that mindset—we uh, touched on it a little bit early. It's really just using it as another tool in your communication toolbox. So it's about medium of choice for the target audience. You know, they might prefer the phone, or they might prefer email, or they might prefer to talk via LinkedIn. Whatever they want to do, that's the medium that you can reach them. But the potential for social media to do it is much. Uh, greater because you don't have all that noise that you have with phone and email. So um, you're thinking about it as a tool for lead generation and a tool for prospecting Mm -hmm. and a tool for retention is huge. You know, those touch points, you know, staying top of mind with people is an enormous uh, competitive advantage. Um, So just do what you do offline, but just bring that online. You know, as we mentioned, it's not reinventing the wheel. Uh, just do those same things that you would do offline as far as reaching out every once in a while uh, via phone or via email, but you know, do that on LinkedIn, you know, do that on Facebook, do that on sure. Twitter uh, so that uh, you're, you're continually staying top of mind. So when they do have an op- or an opportunity does arise, I should say, you're the first person that they think about because you've you've added value with your content you've stayed top of mind you said you know happy work anniversary or uh, happy birthday on facebook and you you know you know like their photo on instagram whatever that may be um you know, staying top of mind with them from a retention perspective is is huge and social media is a a great way to do that i mean as i'm sure you've heard the stat it's five times easier to retain a current client than to go out and get a new client. We spent so much time on acquisition and so little time on retention and deepening Um, that retention and deepening. If we just focused on that 24 seven and did a really good job at making our current clients happy, they're going to become huge referral sources for you and they're going to get you new clients. Um, So I always, that maybe we spend a little too much time on, on acquisition and definitely not as much as we should on retention
1: boy uh, truer words uh okay let me let me let's swing around this uh final question for me kind of i want to i want to just a couple of quick action item uh times if you if you could what would be three things a small business professional could do today to improve their social media skills what could i do today
0: yeah first and foremost your your linkedin profile is not a resume It's a branding outpost. So write it from the perspective of a potential client. What's going to differentiate you from all those other financial advisors out there? As I mentioned before, what's going to make them say, hey, Mike is smart and he's talented. He's not like all the other financial advisors. He really cares about me. He really cares about his clients. Not saying that FAs don't care about their clients, but make sure you get the idea across that you care about more than their money. So doing that on your profile and you know personalize it humanize it make it about you it's not a resume it's uh it's another like mini website it's another outpost so write it from that perspective what would a prospect want to see that makes him say this is smart he's talented i want to reach out to that guy so that's the first thing second thing is post value added content uh that solves your prospects pain points you know you, Everyone knows their target audience, at least they should. They know the common problems that they face. That's the kind of content you post. Solve their problems for them. The more you give away, the more they're going to want to work with you. Um, As we talked about a little earlier, don't forget engagement, um, especially those private messages. Those are the secret sauce uh, to to LinkedIn especially. Um, But the more you engage with others, the more they're going to engage with you. Uh, Social media is all about reciprocity so more engagement leads to more awareness which leads to more consideration which leads to more business opportunities so don't forget the engagement and then finally um, we mentioned those private messages and how they're the secret sauce of linkedin so um, that's one of those one-on-one conversations or to have those one-on-one conversations uh, that are going to lead to meetings
1: gotcha yeah i think the uh you know uh, your profile is a branding and not a resume. I think uh, I think that would be a uh, that's a hard thing for financial advisors right now to open up their LinkedIn profile and say what did I do? Do I did is it my resume? Is it what I can do, or is it about me as the, what what that humanizing part is that that branding part? I think that's awesome. I think what you're saying there too is uh, uh, with. Help them solve problems. Um, if you notice, all of your clients are have a have a similar background posting content. But I, I think one thing you touched on there that I want you to kind of go into just a little bit deeper is uh, giving away stuff. Giving away stuff will bring more people than not giving away stuff. I, I think people sometimes are hesitant to give away too much because they think, oh gosh, you know, then there's nothing when they come to me. But actually, it sounds like the opposite is true.
0: There you go. Well, and that's the interesting thing is, I mean, people don't buy companies, they buy people in financial services, because they're going to be talking to an FA, and they're going to buy that FA, they're not going to buy the the company. And so you have to be the voice of the brand, you have to be the individual that has really built a strong uh, digital presence, a strong online brand, and uh, your profile is a large majority of that,
1: right? Right, that's the uh uh the, that's the secret sauce. Perfect, Robert. Well, Robert, thanks so much for taking time out today. The, I, I I certainly have learned quite a bit, uh especially about how to be uh use LinkedIn more effectively. And uh, uh boy, like I said, I'm gonna have to go and take a hard look at my profile. <laughs> well, thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. this. is a lot of fun. Thanks everybody for listening. See you next time on the Market Motion Podcast for financial advisors. Thank
0: you for listening to the Market Emotion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.